Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for Business Ethics and Integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sun Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, a wealth advisor for the Ellen Becker Investment Group. Ellen Becker Investment Group is located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive in the Town Bank Building, and also in the Village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building across from Winkies. We also service clients in Benita Springs, Florida. Visit ellenbecker.com for more details. My guest today is Lauren Reed, an energy analysis and policy intern at Renew Wisconsin, a nonprofit that promotes renewable energy and clean transportation throughout the state. Lauren is also a graduate student at the Nelson Institute of Environmental Studies at UW-Madison. Welcome, Lauren. Thank you, Heather. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for joining us today. Let's get started by maybe having you share some of your background and, you know, telling us more about Renew Wisconsin. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my name is Lauren Reek, and I currently work for Renew Wisconsin, which is a nonprofit organization that promotes renewable energy and clean transportation in Wisconsin. Some of the work I do tends to be uh, renewable energy analysis using advanced modeling. And also we do a lot of advocating and uh, education around clean energy and transportation. Alongside that, I am also a graduate researcher doing, uh, looking at statewide policies for clean energy and how we can electrify and uh, make our energy grid renewable. Some of the work we do at Renew Wisconsin is on policies and programs that expand solar power, wind power, biogas, local hydropower, geothermal energy, and electric vehicles. We've been doing this work in the Badger State since 1991, so we're actually coming up on our 30-year anniversary this year, which is super exciting. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Uh, As for EV work, it really varies quite wide. We touch in legislation, we touch in regulation, uh, but we really find our home in advocacy and education. So some quick facts about Wisconsin's uh, transportation sector is that Almost 25% of Wisconsin's energy consumption is used for transportation. And our goal is to get all of that to be electric transportation and all of that runoff of renewable energy so that we can get the awesome benefits of renewable energy and electric transportation in Wisconsin. And we'll touch on some of those benefits later. So our goal is to get us off fossil fuels. And we engage with this work through working with local governments, working with the Wisconsin Public Service Commission, with working with stakeholders across the state. And really, we're just trying to educate people so that they understand that EVs are accessible, good for communities and the environment, and honestly, just really fun to drive. So that's some of the work that Renew Wisconsin does and how we engage with the community. That's great. Thank you so much. And I guess just to clarify for our listeners too, what's an EV? Great question. So an EV is an electric vehicle. So right now, a majority of people drive what are called 
internal combustion cars. So those are the cars that you fill up with gasoline at the gas station and run off of what we call fossil fuels. The newest technology, electric vehicles, basically have batteries, like a battery in a calculator, a battery in your phone, just like a lot of them, (laughs) a very big battery. Mm -hmm. And you're able to run that off of electricity. And so if electricity has the option of being run off of clean energy like wind and solar, whereas fossil fuels, motor gasoline will also will always be dirty fossil fuels. Ah, got it. Thank you so much for that clarification. And like you said, you know, part of what your group does is focuses on education. And I can imagine that that's a, that's a great opportunity with, with so many different things that we hear about when we, you know, either think about what renewable means or what an electric vehicle, what, what would I be giving up for that? I know there's probably a lot of different things you can share with us, you know, but even thinking very recently, hearing so much about some problems with just getting electricity because of some of the weather related events, say in Texas and around the country recently, you know, how does, how does that even play in to what your group does and how we need to think about energy? For sure. What is happening in Texas is a tragedy, and it is really important to address it and address it with thoughtfulness and with real earnestness to understand that these are serious problems and they're problems that we're going to be continually facing. We need to be earnest about it. So as a summary, just for anybody who is uh, unsure of what's happening in Texas, at least in the current moment, who's to say when you're listening to this, if it's the podcast. So right now, Texas is just starting to recover from an extreme weather event. It got really, really cold in Texas, and all of their electricity and energy generating systems failed. So, and it was quite frankly, across the board, a lot of the coal plants failed, a a majority of the natural gas plants failed, wind turbines started to freeze up. And it was a real problem because right when people were starting to turn on their Furnaces, electricity demand just skyrocketed because people were cold and they wanted heat. But at the same time, supply completely cut off. Now, there's a couple of tales that are being spun around what is actually happening. So I'd like to talk about what is the truth behind what's happening in that it was a failure across the board for all energy systems. The major failure was in natural gas. Natural gas failed because it physically couldn't get to the plant. A lot of the pipes were freezing up and the liquid natural gas could not make its way to the power plant to then be burned and turned into electricity. Alongside that, operators who run the natural gas plants and also the operators that run the coal plants couldn't physically get there because there were, it was a big cold weather event. Like people couldn't get on the streets Mm -hmm. and their cars to work. So that's some of the major issues. Alongside that, Some of the wind turbines did freeze up. However, the wind and solar plants actually at some points were producing more electricity than expected. Now, we should address all of them. First, renewable energy can definitely handle those cold weathers. In Wisconsin here, with negative 20 degree weather, they are certainly managing it just fine. There are even wind turbines in Antarctica, which hopefully it is never as cold as (laughs) as in Texas. But what we need to consider is that we need to weatherize our energy systems. So solar and wind can go down to those extreme temperatures. They just have to be built to do it. And Texas was not prepared for such a cold weather event. 
But these extreme events are likely going to continue to happen and maybe even become more frequent. So that's kind of the first thing that needs to happen is that we need to weatherize our equipment. Next is we need to start transitioning to renewable energy that can be weatherized. Mm-hmm. Natural gas plants, at some point, they can't be weatherized. At some point, the nat- it's just too cold and natural gas will freeze. So what needs to be done is we need to slowly start transitioning to renewable energy that can handle those extreme weather events. And then finally, let's talk a little bit about how electric vehicles play into all of this. So a huge thing and a huge problem with this was grid reliability. The grid basically just entirely failed in Texas because there was too much electricity demand and not enough electricity supply. Electric vehicles, along with other emerging technologies like microgrids and battery storage, are going to be crucial for this. One of the huge advantages to electric vehicles is that they can help flatten the curve. So if you think about during the day, you know, you're making breakfast in the morning and then you go to work and and your building is using a lot of electricity and then you go home and you turn on your TV and all of your appliances, that's a lot of electricity. But then when you go to bed at like 10 p.m. or midnight or whenever, our electricity demand plummets, right? And between Mm -hmm. about midnight and six in the morning, there's very little electricity demand. And so that creates some grid uh, unreliability. And electric vehicles, we could charge them during that timeframe and be able to even out our grid reliability. And so that would, one, make our grid more reliable, but also would allow for transportation during those cold weather events when, you know, motor gasoline will also freeze just like natural gas. When those systems can also fail. Workers can also not get to where gasoline stations are. So electric vehicles would allow for more grid reliability, but also just reliability in the day-to-day. So that's some of the things that happened in Texas that renewables and clean transportation could help address and make better. Yeah, thank you for explaining that because I hadn't thought about the flattening the curve of the demand. When I think about an electric vehicle, I think, well, it's using more electricity than a, than a, than a traditional vehicle. So that was a, a great thing to understand better. Thank you so much for sharing. And with that, we'll take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about the impacts of electric vehicles with our guest, Lauren League. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor, and my guest today is Lauren Reed of Renew Wisconsin. Lauren, I'd love to hear more about the impacts of electric vehicles, you know, on the economic side and the environmental side. Yeah, of course. Electric vehicles have an awesome potential to bring some huge impacts to Wisconsin and the country as a whole. So we can touch on both environmental and economic. First, I'll start with the environmental. Electric vehicles could have huge, huge benefits. So right now, a majority of people in Wisconsin, it's about over 99% of people drive internal combustion cars, which are just the cars most people drive where you have to stop at the gas station, fill up your tank with 86 grade or whatever, uh, you know, gasoline at at the gas station, and then you go on your way. Electric vehicles are different because they aren't run off of gasoline, they're run off of electricity. They have batteries inside the car, and then they were able to run off of electricity that you can either plug in from your house or from charging stations across the state or the country. Electric vehicles have the option and the advantage to be much cleaner than 
internal combustion cars because they can be run off of clean energy. So no matter what you do, motor gasoline is always going to be a fossil fuel that burns and creates emissions. But electricity, that can be cleaned through renewable energy, such as wind turbine farms and solar farms. So the advantage here is that if we could make cars electric, we would remove emissions directly from the car because it's not burning fossil fuels in that moment, right? It's just using electricity. And then if we could make it electric or and renewable, so if we're running these electric mm. cars off of renewable energy, then we wouldn't have emissions from the fossil fuel plants. Fossil fuel plants are pretty bad and so are uh, internal combustion cars because they emit what are called nitrous oxides, sulfur oxides, and particulate matter. These can be really bad for human health. So these can cr- increase asthma events, especially in children, which is awful. And it can also increase lung and heart disease. And ultimately, it increases early mortality in communities. And so these are obviously things that we don't want to have happen. We at Renew Wisconsin actually ran uh, some internal analysis, and we determined that if you could run transportation sector, so every car in the state off of renewable energy and make it an electric vehicle, we could save up to a dozen lives per year from early mortality. And also this would result in about $2 billion in health impacts. So for example, when you're paying to go to the hospital because you have a lung, some sort of lung disease, Part of that very likely may have been from poor air quality from the transportation sector. So you're standing behind a, a car that has that, you know, spit a bunch of fumes at you or you live near a coal fired power plant. That's not good for your health. And so we can save and put two billion dollars back in the pockets of uh, Wisconsin residents and just make people healthy. Along that lines also, there's a lot of environmental impacts. So sulfur and nitrous oxides can create acid rain. Acid rain is where the pH level of the atmosphere is off and the rain comes down as acidic. And it's really bad for plants. It's bad for our ecosystem uh, and biodiversity in our animals. And so we can decrease the acid rain and emissions that lead to those events if we electrify and renewable energy our transportation sector. So those are some of the awesome environmental impacts. And you can see that as from our internal research, it can save lives. It can save billions of dollars, which is awesome for the economy and for the health of our communities. The next thing I'd like to touch on is the economics and the job impacts, because this can be huge. So right now, we spend about $8.4 billion as a state on fossil fuels that we purchased out of Wisconsin. So these are over $8 billion that we're sending to other places, other states, other countries to get our gasoline so that we can drive our cars. About $6 billion of that is for motor gasoline, which is specifically what residents use when they're driving their cars to work or the grocery store or wherever. That's a lot of money. And so if we were able to electrify our vehicle fleet, we could bring all of that money back into the state. Right. Because if we're buying electricity, you buy electricity from your local utility. So whether it's Madison Gas and Electric, whether it's Alliant, whether it's Excel, et cetera, we buy electricity from utilities within the state. And those utilities build power plants within the state, 
whether it's solar, whether it's wind, whether it is a fossil fuel plant, and that's able to keep money within the state. Right now, like I said, about 25% of our energy consumption is used for transportation. If we could bring all of that back into the state, we could save billions of dollars, which would be awesome. Additionally to that, we could also greatly improve our employment. So right now there's about 76,000 Wisconsinites that are employed in the renewable energy industry, and we could increase that a lot. So if we were able to bring all of those $8.4 billion in transportation fossil fuels into the state, and we needed to, we will need to increase our electricity, right? Because if we're going to increase uh, our transportation sector, if it's currently 25% is used for fossil fuels of our entire energy system, we're going to have to turn that from fossil fuel like motor gasoline into electricity that we use to power our vehicles. So we're going to have to build a lot of power plants. We did some analysis and we need about 52 solar farms and 35 wind farms. And these would be like big 100 megawatt uh, farms. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, think of just like uh, a pretty large utility scale system. So if you are driving through Fond du Lac, there's a pretty big wind farm out there. So you can think of something along that Mm -hmm. size. But we need about 52 solar farms and 35 wind farms. And after our estimation, this could bring about 200,000 jobs to this state. While that's in construction, operation, and upstream jobs. And so that would be huge. There are some caveats to that. For example, some of those jobs may be reused for construction. But it really illustrates that we're going to be able to bring a lot of jobs and a lot of long-lasting jobs to Wisconsinites. So Although there is some trepidation about moving from fossil fuels to renewable energy, if we bring our transportation sector along with us, we can create a huge market for employment within Wisconsin, which is awesome. Well, thinking about that too, the the kind of large scale, it's almost infrastructure changes that you're talking about, you know, adding all of these different wind farms and solar farms to get to what the ultimate goal is, obviously takes some time. And that would be really interesting to understand where that farmland comes from to be able to have those wind and solar farms. Do you have information on that? Yeah. So in Wisconsin, we actually do a lot of agriculture-based renewable energy projects. Uh, We have solar and wind farms all around the state that are built on agriculture lands. And it's actually a really awesome opportunity for us as a renewable energy sector to work with farmers. So As we all know, farming and agriculture is such a vital source of the Wisconsin economy and so important, but it's a hard job. And oftentimes it's hard to just keep making those bills and those payments because so much of their money is tied up in capital. So what we often do in the renewable energy sector is we lease agriculture land and there are some huge benefits that come with it. Oftentimes renewable energy Uh, industry often rents the land for more than it's worth because we're going to also as you know renewable energy developers and owners often make a lot of money off of it selling that electricity to utilities and residents so they're able to pay a little bit extra for that land which is really awesome for farmers who can set aside a plot of land for you know 20 to 30 years and have 
that just be like a passive source of income. But then also we do a thing called prairie restoration, which happens on a lot of solar and wind farms that can actually make the land healthier. So we'll plant native grasses and then it will reduce erosion, which is going to make the soil a lot healthier. It's able to absorb a lot of water, again, making the soil healthier. And it reduces runoff, nutrient runoff into our local waterways, which makes our local waterways healthier. So it's kind of an all-win situation for agriculture and renewable energy. It's good for the farmers because they can have a source of passive income. It's good for the environment because we can reduce some of those bad nutrient runoff events and make our soil healthier so that when the plant is decommissioned at the end of about 20 to 30 years, they usually last, the soil will be ready for farming again. And then also it's good for the renewable energy sector because it allows us a place to put these solar and wind farms. Yeah, for sure. That is, that is wonderful information to have. You know, I'm really involved with Fondy and we have the Fondy um, farmers market and a Fondy farm project. And so, you know, I've gotten to know a lot of the producers. Anyone who knows me knows that I love my farmers. And um, it's great to hear about some different opportunities that farmers may have the opportunity to take advantage of. They are very innovative and hardworking. So it's, it's great to see that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, of course. Agriculture is such a vital part of the Wisconsin economy and it's fun and it's, it's cool to be able to combine a new industry like the renewable energy and electric vehicle industry with such a cornerstone of the Wisconsin economy as agriculture is. Yeah, it's beautiful. We'll um, take a short break. And when we come back, we'll talk more about really what to look for in electric vehicles. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor at LM Becker Investment Group. And my guest today is Lauren Rieg of Renew Wisconsin. We've been talking about electric vehicles and renewable energy. And Lauren, I'd love to hear more about what consumers should look for in electric vehicles. Awesome. Thank you, Heather. That is such a great question. Electric vehicles is a market that is relatively new and is starting to grow. And a lot of people are interested in buying electric vehicles, but don't know what to look for, what the market holds, or how to even start the process. So I'm happy to talk through it. The number one thing I always say when you're looking to buy an electric vehicle is first stop and examine your own habits and your own driving needs. So are you uh, only driving like a 30-minute commute every day to work and then maybe the occasional weekend down to Milwaukee or out to Madison or up north in Wisconsin? Or are you doing really long road trips across the country often? It's first good to look at what your driving needs are. And then we can start talking about what electric vehicles might be best for you. So there's two types of electric vehicles. There's the plug-in hybrid electric vehicle and the battery electric vehicle. The plug-in hybrid electric vehicle is basically a half and half. So it's got a battery that it can run off of, and then it also has a internal combustion engine in there as well. Plug-in hybrid electric vehicles are beneficial because they allow for you the opportunity to have the battery. They're really good for short commutes. So often if you're only driving a half hour to work and a half hour back to work, you can do that entire drive on the electric battery in the plug-in hybrid. But if you are worried about the range and the fact that you might need to drive a, you know, a really long road trip or a cross-country trip and 
just the range of how far your electric vehicle can go is something that's really nervous. A plug-in hybrid might be the option because it allows you to also have the internal combustion option so you can stop and get gas. Now, the other option, and this is my preferred option because it's fully electric, is the battery EV. So the battery EV has no internal combustion engine, and it is just a very big battery, or I guess a a bunch of small batteries in a big case, that makes it a fully electric vehicle with no internal combustion. So these are really awesome for commuter cars, but they can also go quite a bit farther. So their range has been growing. It used to be probably about 50 miles, but in the last couple of years, they have had really far miles. And now a lot of them can go over 200 miles before they need to be charged. So first, look at what you need. If you need something that, if you just need a car that can get you to work, get you to the grocery store, and maybe take you on a weekend trip, the battery electric vehicle is going to be an awesome option. What if you end up at your 199th mile (laughs) of your 200 mile range? What do you do if you wanted to take your electric vehicle, your all battery for farther than its range? What kind of opportunities are there for recharging along the way? Uh, That's a great question. So charging is a pretty expansive and growing sector of the electric vehicle market. So let's talk a little bit about what charging looks like. So there are three types of chargers. One is a level one charger, and that's basically just a plug into your normal house socket. So where you plug, you know, your toaster in, or maybe that's where you plug in a lamp, or I guess more accurately in your garage, maybe where you plug in your vacuum, you can just plug that right into your car. Level one chargers are generally designed for plug-in hybrids because it can take a while to charge them. A level one charger can charge a plug-in hybrid overnight, but it will take a battery electric probably closer to two or three days to charge. So the next level is level two. And a level two charger can charge a battery electric vehicle fully overnight. And that's usually most people who buy a battery electric vehicle, so a full electric vehicle, no internal combustion engine, will buy a level two charger and put it in their garage. These aren't super expensive. They're about $500. And oftentimes you're able to get a utility or a local electrician to come wired up for you for relatively cheap. And there are oftentimes utility programs that are starting to pop up in the state that I encourage you look for if you're interested in buying a level two charger. So a really great example of this that's been successful is in Minnesota, Excel Energies, one of their utilities. We have a, they also are a utility here. They've made a program where you can either buy the charger outright from them and then they will help run it for you through their program or you can basically rent it from them. You can pay them a monthly fixed fee and they will own the charger and you pay to basically lease it from them. So these programs are just starting to hit Wisconsin and they're not super expensive yet, but it's something certainly to look forward to in the future and something that may help buying an electric vehicle and a level two charger more accessible for everybody. Also, there are a ton of level two chargers in Wisconsin. So there are about 500 level two chargers throughout the state. And if you want to know how to find a level two charger, you can download an app. So there's a lot of charging apps. Uh, uh, One company is EVgo that's made an app. 
and you can see every charging station that's available. So if you wanted to plan a road trip, you could say, hey, I want to go from Milwaukee to Detroit. Where and my my car can go 230 miles. Where do I need to stop? And you can plot your route. Now, level two chargers can be slow. Like I said, it'll take about uh, 10 hours, so overnight, to charge your car. But if you want to go on a really long car trip, you can't just wait 10 hours to be able to go the next 200 miles. So what the next third option are, are level three chargers. People generally don't own these. These are generally just in the public. Some of them are free for you. Some of them require a small fee, but they are relatively cheap. Most charging costs under about $10, which is way less than filling up your regular car. And these can charge your car uh, to 80% in about 30 minutes. So it's ideal for long road trips if you need to stop, stretch your legs, go grab lunch, or just stop at a gas station to grab some snacks. A level three charger is perfect for you to be able to go on those longer road trips. So those are kind of the charging opportunities. And if you're curious about what charging opportunities are around you, I really suggest downloading those apps and looking at some of the local chargers. And if like, if you're nervous about this one trip that you always go on, maybe you always uh, drive up to northern Minnesota for a trip and you're nervous about it and whether an electric vehicle can do that. Plot it out before you purchase an electric vehicle and make sure that you're able to do what you want with the charging opportunities. Uh, These apps are really awesome and the charging is just growing in the state. That's great. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. So uh, alongside that, I've got a couple other things I wanted to touch on. Once you've decided what type of car you want, whether it's the plug-in hybrid or the battery electric, Then you decide what kind of charging options, which is just what we've talked about. From there, you want to start looking at some of the models. So there's quite a few models out there that you can look into. And almost every major car company has a a model, an electric or at least a hybrid model that you could purchase. Some ones I'll suggest off the top of my head. The Chevy Bolt is an awesome EV. The Toyota Prime is an awesome plug-in car. Of course, Tesla, the very famous electric vehicle company. But the big ones that I'll talk about are Ford is coming out with the with a truck and their own crossover Mustang car. And then they also have uh, some vans, which aren't necessarily for residential use, but uh, they are very cool. And then GM just made a pledge to to come out with 30 new electric vehicles by 2025, which is crazy, Mm -hmm. (laughs) but crazy awesome. And so the next thing you want to kind of do is look at what type of car do you want? Do you want just a small little commuter car to go to work? Then maybe the Chevy Bolt is for you. Are you looking for more of a luxury car? Then maybe the new Cadillac electric vehicle that's coming out or a Tesla would be a better option. If you're looking for an all-terrain sports vehicle where you can drive out into uh, the mountains or go way up north or go on a lot of sporting adventure trips, then maybe the Toyota Prime plug-in hybrid is more of an option. It's something that everyone needs to consider. But the third option after deciding what type of car and kind of what charging you're looking at is what is the specific car that you want? And so I really just wanted to say how many options there are out there and how awesome that is. And we're just going to be getting more and more. So exact car you want is not out there this year, 
I bet you it's probably going to be out in about three more years uh, between Ford and Toyota and GM and so many other car companies' promises. The last thing I'll talk about is looking for incentives. So there are some grant and incentive opportunities. The biggest one is there's a federal tax incentive that's about $7,500, and it doesn't apply to all EVs, so you'll have to check the code specifically when you decide on your EV. But this could be a really huge savings for people if you could cash in on that tax incentive. There's also a lot of utility programs like I touched on before. They're starting to grow in Wisconsin, but they are also in other states, and we'll start seeing them here, where there are grant opportunities for charging stations or at least uh, ways for you to uh, flatten out the bill so it's not just such a high upfront capital cost. And then finally, there are some state programs Wisconsin does not have these uh, hashed out as well, but there are some states and they, uh, it may be coming to Wisconsin that there can be some state level incentives for people. So I'd also just look at what are the opportunities. I, I know EVs are, have very high capital costs and that sometimes that's hard to look at. It's a little, it makes your heart race a little bit. There's ways to help decrease the cost or at least to make the cost more of a monthly fixed fee instead of such a high upfront cost. So those are some of the things that I would look for when purchasing an electric vehicle. Thank you so much. That was great. You know, listening to you talk about all the different models, there truly is an electric vehicle for anybody's taste. And I hadn't really realized that before. And I'm glad that you talked about Tesla because I was going to ask, okay, which kind of EV is Tesla? Since we're all interested in that usually. We'll take a short break and be right back. Welcome back to Money Sense. I'm Heather Deaton, Wealth Advisor, and my guest today is Lauren Rieg of Renew Wisconsin. And we are going to talk about what to look for in the future in Wisconsin, in the car industry, and everything like that about electric vehicles. So Lauren, take us through this. Oh my gosh, where to start? The future of electric vehicles in Wisconsin is so exciting and it just keeps growing. There's a few things I'll touch on. Uh, The first thing I'll touch on is the models. So we talked a little bit about this in the last section about how many models are coming up and how many are currently available, but there's going to be even more. So GM, General Motors, is set to bring out about 30 new electric vehicles within the next couple of years, and Ford is close behind. Of these electric vehicles, there's so many options. There are small commuter cars. There are crossovers, there are luxury vehicles, there are trucks, there are vans, there's a Hummer coming out, which is crazy cool for the for my people who like Hummers. So there are awesome opportunities. And besides the well-known car companies that you're used to, GM, Ford, Toyota, etc., there's also just new car companies coming out. Most people are familiar with Tesla, the very famous electric vehicle company. Well, there's also a new all-electric company coming out called Rivian, and they're coming out with two really nice cars as well. They're coming out with a truck and then uh, kind of a crossover Jeep-looking vehicle. It's just exciting how many models are coming out, and so that's really one of the things I'm looking forward to. Next is charging. So as I said previously, charging is crucial because you need to be able to make sure you can get to where you want without running out of electricity in your batteries. So charging is just expected to grow. Right now in Wisconsin, we have 
over 100 fast chargers. And those fast chargers are the level three chargers that you can use on road trips to, uh, if you stop for 30 minutes, you can get your car nearly full of electricity. And so we have about 100 of those. And we have, I think, about 500 level two chargers. And those are just expected to continue and continue to grow. A lot of these big car companies are investing in these charging systems so that it's more, people are more comfortable buying their electric vehicles, but also governments and businesses are also starting to implement them. Governments are also doing a lot of really cool work, Uh, specifically the city of Madison just bought 20 electric vehicles for their personal government fleet. And some cities are starting to look at how to electrify their public transportation. So one thing that is totally true is that electric vehicles are expensive and it's it's important that we address electric vehicles in an equitable manner because again, I know that they're expensive and there's a large amount of upfront cost. So cities are starting to address this through electrifying their fleet. For example, Racine is just embarking on buying a couple of electric buses so that they can provide every resident in their city an opportunity to drive electric. One of the really awesome models that is available is a system called Pay As You Save, which allows cities to purchase electric vehicles from a utility without having to pay the upfront cost, where they can pay a fixed monthly fee to utilities. And that's something that Renew Wisconsin is really trying to push and encourage utilities and governments to work together on so that we can expand our electric transportation sector, not just for residentials, but also for school buses, for uh, buses within the city, et cetera, so that everyone who wants to drive electric is capable of driving electric. So that is some of the awesome opportunities that we're seeing. And then finally, I will point to utilities. Utilities are now starting to see that electric transportation is an awesome segment of the market. So they're starting to create programs and I'd look out for them. So there are programs they're looking into that help make charging more accessible for people, whether that is helping you fund a charger within your own house or whether that's expanding chargers across the state. They also are looking at making rate structures more accessible so that people can use electric vehicles to their advantage and charge electric vehicles on off-peak time so that we can flatten the electricity demand we talked about for grid reliability. They're starting to work on rate structures so that we can charge our vehicles at the cheapest time and at the most accessible time for the grid. And also they're looking at starting some of these low income and more equitable programs like the pay-as-you-save model. So definitely start looking to utility programs if this is something that you're interested in uh, because electric vehicles are growing. So just as a recap, utility programs are starting to improve. Local governments and public transportation is starting to turn electric. And there are so many models and charging options out there that are just growing and growing. We expect to see the electric transportation model just explode in Wisconsin. And myself and Renew Wisconsin as a whole are so excited to see it. That's just great information. Thank you so much. This has been a wonderful program today, and I really appreciate you sharing your passion and expertise. Everything is very personalized uh, as you could want to go down the electric vehicle route, you know, really being able to support your own values, get what you want that's going to fit and work in your lifestyle. Really important stuff. Yes, for sure. Electric vehicles are awesome because they can help the environment. They can help the economy. They can help 
keep jobs in Wisconsin, the electric transportation sector is just growing. And so it's going to be able to fit the needs of customers better and better as we keep growing this market. And it's just so exciting. Yeah, that is great, Lauren. Thank you so much. And as a reminder to our listeners, Money Sense airs on Saturdays from 2 to 3 p.m. and on Sundays from 12 to 1 p.m. If you like today's show and want to know more, please visit ellenbecker.com or call us at 262-691-3200. And, you know, I hope that we've made a difference in your personal and financial well-being through this program and, and other offerings too. And remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen.